but I won't tell anybody. Let me do that for you there, brother. I got it. Feels like Laurel and Hardy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we sense your presence in our midst. We pray that you open our hearts and our minds tonight, that you enrich our prayer life and increase our faith in you. We pray this in the blessed name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Is Elaine still here? Elaine, what is the count tonight? 97. 97. That means that there are 96 people in this room that know more about prayer than me, most likely. So I'm just going to try and help you focus on some different ideas. I'm not going to tell you how to, pre- uh, how to pray or what you should pray. I want to open up opportunities for you. Now some of you may have heard this. If, if you have, just remain silent, please. <laughs> don't, don't spoil my punchline. When I was a, a, a newly minted uh, transitional deacon, I was serving in a church in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, a very old historic church. Uh, it was built in 1683, uh, and they built a new building in 1774, and they still called it the new building. <laughs> How many people grew up uh, with the n- prayer book 1928? Okay. Well, I did too. Well, the folks at Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and St. Barnabas, they, when the church was founded, the new prayer book for them was the 1662 prayer book, and they were still grumbling about it if you go back and read the old, the old documents. But anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, being a newly minted deacon, and full of myself, and in a senior in seminary, and I'm about to come back to the Diocese of Florida and be ordained a priest, and I know everything. <laughs> I mean, I, I was a scholar. Y'all believe that? <laughs> I was pretty good. I was pretty good. We'll leave it at that. Anyway, I was impressed with myself, and I studied, and I prepared diligently because it was my turn to hold children's church. Now, Children's Church at St. Barnabas were basically fourth graders through eighth graders. And I would take them out into the old church during the homily, the sermon, and I would lead them in prayer and do a little Bible study with them and then bring them back in at communion time. Not dissimilar like the little children leave here, Church of Our Savior. So my topic was going to be on prayer, which is what it is tonight. And I thought, well, I just need to get these kids talking and they'll handle everything. And, you know, I can just kind of guide their, their talk and it will be, God will be with me and it'll be okay. But it'd be better than okay. So I've got about, it seems like there were about a dozen of them. Maybe, maybe one or two more. And I, I say, okay, today we're talking about prayer. And I want you to tell me, we talked a little bit about what prayer was. I want you to tell me how God answers prayers. And one little boy, how many of you have been school teachers? 
Well, there's always one in the class. Ooh, ooh, me, me, pick me. And I'm trying not to pick him. Because <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to say. So finally, I couldn't ignore him any longer. I said, okay, how does God answer prayers? He says, that's easy. Easy. I'm going, hmm. He says, yes, no, and not now. <laughs> so I took a step back and I said, oh my goodness, what am I going to do for the next 15 minutes? <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel tonight. Uh, what am I going to do for the next 40 minutes now? Uh, we have a beautiful book of common prayer. And it is... Uh, some still prefer the 1928 prayer book. Many of us have gotten used to and appreciate this new prayer book, but we still love the 1928 prayer book. Um, but it is a one, if you don't buy, if you don't have one, buy one. Have it at home. It is, hopefully by the end of the evening, you will be convinced that you should have one at home if you don't already. Um, in... Opening, I want to. There is another book published uh, by Episcopal Church. It's called Holy Women, Holy Women, Holy Men. Is that still the name? I think there may be a new one out since I bought this one. But this is the uh, the year of all the people who the church wants to recognize. Now, remember, you know, as, as Anglicans, we we still uh, believe in saints, they're people that God put on earth for us to fashion our lives after. And these are people that uh, the Episcopal Church is holding up to you uh, as examples of who you might fashion your lives after. Good examples. Well, today happens to be March the 1st. And for today, the saint of the day, if you will, the example that God has given us is a guy by the name of David. And he is from Wales. Uh, he was a priest in Wales. And he uh, actually built the church, uh, built up God's kingdom in the uh, principality of Wales, which is part of the United Kingdom. And the prayer for this day, for David, is Almighty God, who didst call thy servant David to be a faithful and wise steward of thy mysteries and for the people of Wales, mercifully grant that following his purity of life and zeal for the gospel of Christ, we may with him receive our heavenly reward through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. But there is actually one for each day of the year. Um, back to the prayer book the red book in the pew in front of you if you could pull one out and, and share it with the person sitting nearby unless there's enough for everyone I would ask you if you would to turn to with me to page 856 856. Isn't it brilliant how 
all the prayer books, regardless of their size, big ones, small ones, black ones, red ones, they all have the same page numbers. I thought that was an accident for years. And then I realized I did that on purpose. Anyway, uh, on page 856, prayer and worship. What is prayer? I'm going to do a little uh, teaching here for a moment. Prayer is responding to God by thought and by deeds, with or without words. Uh, Christian prayer is a response to God the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The next, uh, what prayer did Christ teach us? Our Lord gave us the example of prayer, which we said a little earlier in our Lord's Prayer, our Father. What are the principal kinds of prayer? There are several mentioned here. A prayer of adoration, praise, thanksgiving, penitence, oblation, intercession, and petition. Now, which one, do you, which one does you think we are most familiar with? Petition, yes. Is it a coincidence that that's listed last? I think not. Uh, I would suggest that there may be other kinds of prayer, but let's run through these types of prayer, if we could, really quickly. Um, a prayer of adoration kind of is, is ex self-explanatory. Uh, in its name, we praise God, we adore Him, uh, we glorify Him, um, we lift up our hearts to Him. Um, what is a prayer of thanksgiving? We, we probably say this one, most of us, whenever we sit down to eat, even in a restaurant, uh, even if it's inconvenient or embarrassing, many of us will still say a prayer. Um, and we thank God for the bounty that He's given us. There are other kinds of thanksgiving. Like, I safely made it across the Buttman Bridge. Yes. Um, what is penitent? What is a prayer of penitence? It's when we confess our sins. We get a little uncomfortable around this one, especially when we say our prayers at night. I would think that a lot of us probably forget to include this one because we've got a list of things we're asking God for in our petitions. And we forget to say, God, I'm sorry I was so mean to so-and-so today. Or whatever it is that we need to be sorry for, ask his forgiveness for. Maybe it was something that we did or didn't do. What is a prayer of oblation? That's where we offer ourselves, our lives, our labor. We dedicate ourselves, if you will, to God. Intercession and petition, we're very comfortable with. Uh, we pray for others. We pray for ourselves. I would suggest to you, though, that the most obvious prayer, at least for me, that's missing from this list, and I would hope that when they rewrite this book, please let it not be during my lifetime. <laughs> that was a prayer. <laughs> and that is a prayer of listening. A prayer of listening to God. A prayer when we're not talking, we're not putting forth ideas, we're not trying to, to get God's attention for something, 
We're not trying to praise Him. We're not doing anything other than listening to God. One of my very, very favorite prayers in the prayer book, and you can turn with me to it if you would like. It's on page 832. Some of you have heard me jokingly say that the the Bible has plagiarized our Book of Common Prayer uh, because in real life we do see so many Bible verses entwined in our prayers and in our worship that you'd think the Bible did plagiarize the Book of Common Prayer. But in this prayer, it is almost totally biblical. Uh, Half of it comes from Psalm, and I can't remember the Psalm off the top of my head at the moment. And half of it comes from Isaiah. And it's prayer number 59, a prayer for quiet confidence. And this is what I mean when when I say that the kind of prayer that's not enumerated is listening. And this kind of gets to the essence of that. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest, we shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence, we shall... um, In quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy spirit, lift us, we pray, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that thou art God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a time to be quiet, to be still, and to open our hearts and our minds to hear what God's saying. Some of you have heard me talk about how uh, I'm not particularly a fan of predestination. I believe life is more like God running alongside us, like I'm running a race. Paul always used that metaphor. And I'm jogging along, and God is my coach. And he is saying to me, okay, George, you need to pick up the pace in the next quarter mile. You need to pick up the pace a little. You need to breathe deeper. You need to breathe deeper. Okay, now slow down your pace a little bit. You're on pace. In the meantime, there's all this traffic on the highway next to us, and it's making a lot of noise. So I'm only able to run my race in life based on my ability to hear my coach. Now, in real life, God's not telling me to pick up my pace, though He might sometimes. Um, He's telling me other things about how to live my life. And how I live is only as good as my ability to listen and concentrate on what my coach is telling me. Again, back to the point I'm trying to make is a very important kind of prayer is listening to what God has to say to us and then acting upon it. And we can't do that if our minds are full of things, always asking, petitioning, even glorifying. There's a time for that. Very appropriate. But sometimes we just need to be still and know that He is God and be lifted to His presence. One of my favorite prayers. My absolute favorite prayer, though, (laughs) is uh, over on page... I thought I had it marked. Ah, uh, yes. 836, if you would join me here. This was written by a professor at my seminary. Uh, 
and it is um, an alternative general thanksgiving. And if you'll read along with me, I'll, I'll read it. If any of you have ever had me bring communion to you at home or in the hospital, you know I always include this prayer. So some of you will have heard it before. And it goes like this. Accept, O Lord, our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the splendor of the whole creation, for the beauty of this world, and for the wonder of life, and for the mystery of love. We thank you for the blessing of families and friends, and for the loving care that surrounds us on every side. We thank you for setting us a task which demand our best efforts, and for leading us to accomplishments which satisfy and delight us. We thank you also for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. Above all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the truth of his word and the example of his life, for his steadfast obedience by which he overcame temptation, for his dying through which he overcame death, and for his rising to life again, in which we are raised to life in your kingdom. Grant us the gift of your Spirit, that we may know Christ and make him known, and through him, at all times and in all places, may give thanks to you in all things. Amen. Written by Charlie Price, also one of the saints of the church, though he's never made it into the book. Um, our Book of Common Prayer has so many just wonderful, wonderful prayers uh, on, on topics that spread the gamut of um, life. Um, one that is particularly touching to me, uh, as some of you know, I spent... Uh, about 33 years of my life working in the juvenile justice and correction system. And um, it has a special place in my heart. On page 826, there's a prayer that I, I, I think is just lovely and, and wish so many of us could pray at night. And I'll, 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 I'll pray it, you listen, um, and, and then maybe we can talk about it in a minute. Lord Jesus, for our sake, you were condemned as a criminal. Visit our jails and prisons with your pity and judgment. Remember all prisoners and bring the guilty to repentance and amendment of life according to your will. And give them hope for their future. When any are held unjustly, bring them release. Forgive us and teach us to improve our justice. Remember those who work in these institutions. Keep them humane and compassionate. And save them from becoming brutal and callous. And since what we do for those in prison, O oh Lord, we do for you, constrain us to improve their lot. All this we ask for your mercy's sake. Amen. 
powerful. Um, but for the grace of God. Now, there are all kinds of resources that you can use. Um, why do Episcopalians read their prayers? It helps you focus. Well, I, 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 Charles Cranmer, who wrote the original prayer book, who was originally chaplain to King Henry VIII and then Archbishop of Canterbury, um, unfortunately he's not around to ask, but I think part of his reason for writing the original prayer book was to give us a good, solid, keeping in mind that those times in the early Reformation when when Protestant churches in Europe and in the British Isles were breaking away from the Roman church, and they were trying to create their own paths, Cranmer particularly wanted not to lose the things that were important in the faith, but make sure that people emphasized them appropriately. Now, that's just me. And he tried to, in crafting the original Book of Common Prayer, give us a good, solid foundation that would be theologically uh, appropriate. And um, I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, there's also another author, modern-day author, an Episcopal priest um, by the name of Maynard, Dennis Maynard, who wrote a book, um, Those Episcopals, and it's spelled wrong, on, intentionally. And it's, oh, just a wee little book, maybe 80 pages. And it answers questions about the Episcopal Church. I always used it as a, as a discussion piece uh, for um, confirmation classes, particularly with adults and older teenagers. And Dennis Maynard uh, puts forth the idea that we, we, we read our prayers so that we get the theology right that sometimes when we get fired up and we start praying, sometimes we let our personal uh, ideas, whether they be political or others, influence what we're, what we're praying. And by reading our prayers, we can stay pretty close to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. After all, He gave the disciples... The words of, they said, you know, can't you teach us to pray? John the Baptist taught his disciples, why can't you teach us? Uh, and so, you know, as, as we've taken that prayer and, and those that have been passed down to us in tradition in, in this great Anglican communion, and we use them today. And we try to get our theology right as we read them. Any questions so far or comments? Nobody's thrown any tomatoes or... <laughs> but there are hosts of books. Uh, this is an old book. Uh, it's uh, called The Pastor's Prayer Book. It's uh, an Episcopal prayer book written by one of our seminaries. And it has a beautiful prayer. It's old-fashioned. How, how many people like old-fashioned stuff? <laughs> I'm, I'm a softie for old-fashioned stuff. Um, and this is a prayer for our parish church. 
And I'm going to read it a little slower so that it will sink in. O God, our Heavenly Father, make the door of our parish church wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship and a father's care. Pretty good. And narrow enough to shut out all envy, pride, and uncharitableness. Make its threshold smooth enough to be no stumbling block to our children, to the weak, or to straying feet, but rugged and strong enough to turn back the tempter's power. O Heavenly Father, make the door of our parish church a gateway to Thy eternal kingdom. Bless every member and worker in the church. May all that we do be to Thy glory and the building up of our parish and the extension of Thy kingdom. May we continue to be Thine forever and daily increase in Thy Holy Spirit of love and service to others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So that's what our parish church is supposed to be. Would you like to hear another prepared church? I'll pray this one for y'all. Y'all listen. And God, of course, will be listening. Father of all mankind, we pray that to this church, all thy children may ever be welcome. Hither may the little children love to come, and the young men and maidens be strengthened for the battle of life. Here may the strong renew their strength and win for their life a noble consecration. And hither may age turn its footsteps to find the rest of God and the light of the eventide. Here may the poor and the needy find friends. Here may the tempted find succor and sorrowing find comfort, and the bereaved learn that over their beloved death no more dominion, has no more dominion. Here may they who fear be encouraged, and they who doubt have their better trusts and hopes confirmed. Here may the careless be awakened to a sense of their folly and guilt, and to the timely repentance. Here may the oppressed and striving souls be assured of the mercy that triumphs over sin and receive help to go on their way rejoicing through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Old, archaic language. Maidens, I love that. Um, but there are so many wonderful resources out there. Uh, a, a newer one. Uh, this is by one of my professors at Virginia Theological Seminary. He was a former presiding bishop and uh, retired and decided he couldn't live on a retired bishop's pension, so he came to work at the seminary. That's not it at all. <laughs> but he wrote a little book, and it's full of nice little ditties um, that, uh, that he collected over the years. Here's a little prayer by Philip Brooks that's in this little book. Uh, oh Lord, I do not pray for tasks equal to my strength. I do not pray 
for tasks equal to my strength. I ask for strength equal to my tasks. Interesting way to look at it. Um, does anybody have a favorite prayer they want to share? One that you, your grandmother maybe taught you? Everybody's shocked. <laughs> Who wrote this book? It's by Frank Griswold. Um, it's called Praying Our Days is the name of it. Yes. You asked about why do Episcopalians uh, read their prayers. But I've heard you pray extemporaneously. In fact, you pray for me extemporaneously. Uh, what is the balance that you use between prayer, read prayers and extemporaneous prayers? And do you, are there circumstances which draw one or the other? Great question. Great question. He's the plan. <laughs> How many people are here are, pray, are afraid to pray in public? You know, you're not always going to have one of these books with you. But how, I mean, how can you, uh, remember the prayer that I said was my favorite, the, the, the great Thanksgiving? Um, I have that almost committed to memory. I have read it so many times. And, and it's true of so many of the resources that I have that I've read and read. And as a cradle Episcopalian, 1928 prayer book, uh, I use that as the model for my prayer. Um, and try to make that fit. Because there is a prayer in these books that our church has that fit almost every need that you have. And you don't have to have the words exactly. It's, it's to have the idea and the thought. Um, remember the, uh, uh, the Bible verse, I'm not sure exactly where it is. There's a, there's a tax collector who is in the, in the temple praying, and there is a Pharisee, and the, the tax collector is bent over. He won't even look toward heaven, uh, but he's praying to God for forgiveness of his sins. He's just... I mean, he's truly repentant. And the Pharisee is looking back and saying, thank God I'm not that tax, uh, um, that tax collector. You know, um, it's important that when we pray that we don't, that we're not presumptive. That we don't place ourselves in a position of aggrandizement. That we, that we remain humble as children of God. And so long as we do that, and we're not trying to force ourselves into our prayer, and using our prayer resources, our prayer book, and other resources to help guide what it is we do, the more we read and the more we, we pray prayers uh, of our church, the more readily then we can take that, put it in our own words in the appropriate setting, and lead others in prayer. And they say, well, wow. You know how to pray. I've heard some of you pray uh, extemporaneously, and I'm pretty impressed. Um, Dorsey. <laughs> That's what you get for sitting in the front. 
some of the, some of the men at the men's prayer book, uh, group on Tuesday mornings really do know how to pray and uh, have paid attention. Does that answer your question? Sure. That for me, that's that's the answer. Um, any other questions at this point? Yes, Frank. I find that uh, I'm in a gathering uh, before a meal. I'll start praying, and it just comes natural, and I don't know why, but it just feel like I have. And so when we talk about reading or saying some things temporarily. That's kind of like yeah. And it's because you are comfortable in the house of prayer. You're comfortable with prayers. Uh, they're part of who you are. They're part of your, your being. And you're comfortable doing it. And the Holy Spirit, yes, absolutely. Thomas and the Joshua. Oh, I was just going to say, I like the prayer that... God knows what we have need of before we ask. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. He does. And we ask anyway, don't we? Yeah. He wants to hear about communication. You know, um, it, as we articulate to God what we need, we are able to uh, begin to make that real in God's presence. You know, in terms of you know, we're being more specific as we articulate that to him. I think that's why he wants to hear our prayer, even though he knows what's in our hearts and what's on our minds. Josh? I think the same thing is that specifically a super easy prayer. Years and years and years ago, I don't know, probably twenty five years ago. I remember seeing a cartoon, uh family service cartoon, it was just one of the one single frame ones, and it's one of the kids sitting or you know, by his uh Better doing his easy prayers. Send the ABCs. His mom or dad is going, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. I'm just saying all the letters of God in this world order to put them in. It's a funny cartoon. I think it's a fantastic cartoon, but it also made me think it's like, you know, it's, it's about opening up to the Holy Spirit to God and, you know, just having that connection and opening that line of communication. And like you said, it will evolve into. That more directed, that you can get more comfortable with it, but it's just opening that line. Thank you, man. You said it to me. What's that? Man, you said it to me. You can all yours. <laughs> and there's, right. two, there's two things that come to mind. And one is the parable of the, the man that eats bread. So he goes to his neighbor, knocks on the door, and it's like, it's going to light him, come down, and just keeps pounding. The guy says, you know, that's like, what prayer is, you know. Keep, keep asking, even though it doesn't grant it, because what man will not go down to give him bread just to shut him up? You know, paraphrase <laughs> and, and what did the little boy say to me? The answer, how does God answer prayers? Yes, no, and not now. <laughs> and the other thing is that uh, I've been really uh, been convicted of, and, and uh, lately he's in prayer, um, that uh, the main thing is that situations and everything that we pray about. Um, we should realize that, that uh, the main thing is for God to use them to bring more people to Him, no matter what the situation is. Because I've seen people that have gone through horrible situations, but because they were Christians and the way they were acting, people actually asked me, like, how can they do that when that happens? And 
I say, well, there's a Christian that they know Christ. Yep. You know, so I think that uh, when I pray, I try to pray for situations, but pray that God uses those situations uh, to bring more people to Him. Because that's the end goal. It doesn't matter how we get there as long as we get there. That's what the problem is with that. That's the problem with that. Yes. Um, there are also uh, some very specialized books. Ladies, I would commend to you one particular book. Uh, it's called Woman's, Women's Uncommon Prayers. Our Lives Revealed, Nurtured, and Celebrated. It's a, an Episcopal. You, you have it. It's a great little book. Uh, I've given one to, to various graduates when they graduate from high school. Um, and it, ha it has some great prayers. Here's one that I never thought existed a prayer. It's a prayer entitled, On Donating a Kidney. On Donating a Kidney. Generous Creator, you took the sad bareness of my body and allowed me to give life, not to flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, but to my brother or sister. Now he or she can drink the cool water of freedom, not tied to a machine. Wander the landscape only dreamed of. You helped me give away a part of my body, and it made me whole. Amen. Just some powerful prayers. I mean, the topics are, um, break your heart, there are some in here for abuse, abused children, abused women, battered women. Um, I mean, it's, it's a powerful book. Uh, how many of you have been to Ireland? Been on a tour? Anybody ever say, and this is St. Swithin's place, it's, it's a thin place. Have you ever heard that saying? Thin place? A thin place is the place where distance between you and God is really thin. It's a place that evokes God's presence. Well, the Irish, the Celtic people, have a special uh, ability to pray. Uh, just almost poetic. Uh, this is another book I would commend to you. It's called Celtic Daily Prayer uh, from the Northumbria community. And the Celts aren't just from Ireland. They're also uh, Scotland and the coast of uh, what is now England and Wales. Uh, but just some powerful, powerful uh, prayers. Uh, I will lie down this night with God, and God will lie down with me. I will lie down this night with Christ, and Christ will lie down with me. I will lie down this night with the Spirit, and the Spirit will lie down with me. God and Christ and the Spirit will be with me. Powerful things. I mean, just simple words, and they have that little twist always to them. Uh, anyway, I would commend that to you. And uh, it's one that I have used frequently. It's called Ministry with the Sick. And um, it's supposed to be able to fit in your pocket. It does. Uh, this is actually my second one. I wore the first one out. But it, it, it has just prayers that are... Um, in need for people from childbirth to dying. Uh, and it is uh, not just for clergy. Uh, it's called 
and it, again, it's an Episcopal uh, print uh, ministry with the sick. Any questions? Well, Facebook does have, but don't don't tell uh, what's his name. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Um, you know there there are hosts of, of websites that you can go and get on their email list, and they'll send you a prayer. Uh, the uh, I don't I'm not familiar with one. The Episcopal Church will send you a prayer. Um, we're in full communion with the Moravian Church. Heard of the Moravian Church? A little tiny church in Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Uh, you can go on their website and they'll send you a prayer every morning. And some of them are pretty good. Some of them, eh. <laughs> I mean, they're, if God hears them, they're good. They just don't always fit what I'm looking for. Uh, and you are taking some on church for in and teaching us about prayer tonight. And um, I was just thinking, and this is kind of feedback from um, what Josh just how like we never need to be nervous or worried about prayer. You know, that it's our heavenly father. Like, I just think prayer is communicating and building our relationship with our heavenly father. You know, that, um, and so we can come before him, you know, whether it's a prayer or reading or just for talking to him. And that I'm always comforted knowing that, you know, that we're crossed, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. He's taking our prayers and then just giving them to Father. So um, that's just always been a comforting thing. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to get it right exactly. You don't have to say just the right thing, just the right posture. That's always a comfort to me, knowing the Holy Spirit is bringing the Father's words. Hey, you don't know what to say. Right? Amen. Would you offer us your blessing? Or pray for us, perhaps. You can use any resource you want. May the Most High increase charity in us. May the Son of Heaven shine through us. May the winds of love move us to compassion and service. May we go into this coming week, God seeing in our eyes, God touching with our hands, God caring through our generosity, and with the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Thanks, George.
Okay, don't, don't speak. You still come.